0: Good evening, welcome to College Hoops Chat, I'm Jim Maysano, happy to be in the studio tonight with all of you, hope you're doing well, hope you enjoyed the Super Bowl yesterday, I thought it was kind of a weird game, didn't love it myself, but since this is a college basketball show, we will not talk about the Super Bowl. I got lots to talk about tonight, number one, great guests, we have Pat Kennedy, great Pat Kennedy as many of you know. Pat used to coach at Iona College right down the road. And Pat also um, coached at Florida State. He's going to give us a call today uh, in about uh, eight minutes. We also have a call from uh, a reporter that covers Fordham Rams basketball. We never cover Fordham on the show. Unfortunately, we wanted to, but they started late. They didn't have really a good season. But now they're making a coaching change. Sam uh, Basil calling up. Who is a reporter covering for him? That should be fun. All right, I got to get a couple things in before Pat Kennedy. Iona five and three. Iona, they haven't played in fifty-one days. December twenty-third was the last game. They're going to play Friday night against Manhattan. Uh, they're supposed to play Wednesday. Cancelled against Niagara. So Friday, Saturday, they're playing Manhattan at home, uh, and then they're going to. That's the first two of ten games in twenty days. Iona's going to play every other day to get some games in, because they've only played eight games. Uh, so Iona, uh, good luck this weekend against Manhattan. St. John's, red, hot, 13-7, and seven, six in a row, seven out of the last eight, beat Villanova last week, the great Villanova, 70-59, to 59. beat Providence over the weekend, 92-81. Uh, uh, they have six games left scheduled in the Big East. They got a real shot at the NCAA tournament. We're excited about that. As you know, I'm a big St. John's fan. They still got games with Butler, Xavier, DePaul, Villanova, Providence, Seton Hall, but you know they can get three, three or four wins out of that schedule. Um, so you know, hopefully they can get three, four wins. There'll be something like seventeen and nine, and I think St. John's will then go to the NCAA's with a team nobody's going to want to play. No one wants to play because they do this forty minute of hell, hardcore pressure defense. Uh, no one's going to want to play St. John's, and I'm impressed with the defense, impressed with the coaching, impressed with the player development, and impressed with their two stars, Champagny and Posh Alexander. So a lot of good things going on over at St. John's in Queens, New York. All right, next, I watched the UNC Duke game on Saturday night, right? The, the best rivalry in college basketball, kind of down this year, right? Uh, Duke looks like they may not even make the NCAA tournament, uh, North Carolina may they're on the border, but, um, it was a good game, but here's what was weird. I heard Seth Greenberg, uh, talking about it on the radio this morning. It was like a scrimmage. Like when you go into Cameron, the Cameron crazies at a Duke home game, it's bedlam in that arena. Uh, Seth Greenberg was saying as an assistant coach and as a reporter, it's like the hair stands on the back of your, of your head up, stands up on the back of your head. Like it's a the excitement uh, and the moment in that gym is like off the charts. And uh, it looked like more like a scrimmage, you know, without the fans, without the emotion, without the drama. Uh, it was a weird game, but uh, it was 91-87. UNC got a nice win Freshman Caleb Love, who's really good and getting better all the time, scored 25 points. Uh, One thing North Carolina does have is some good bigs down low. They got some uh, three or four guys at platoon, at forward and center. uh, It's better than most teams in the country. Uh, All the starters were in double figures. It was a great win for North Carolina. Not a good night for Duke. Their defense was lacking all night. Um, Now, here's the dumb part of this story. So North Carolina goes into Duke and gets a big win. Uh, maybe that win doesn't happen if the Cameron Crazies are there, but they weren't. Uh, Armando Baycott, who scored 16 points with six rebounds, and De'Ron Sharp, who had 11 points and nine rebounds, both, uh, that's, a, that's a sophomore and a freshman, both had really good games. Uh, after the game, they went to the parties uh celebrating the victory when they got back to campus and they didn't wear a mask. Video got released of the two students partying without the masks and guess what tonight's game against Miami got canceled. Miami didn't feel comfortable uh coming to play North Carolina. So uh kind of stupid, right? Uh two students, I mean look, these are student athletes. Students make mistakes. These guys made mistakes, but they ended up canceling a game and at this moment, at this time, to make a mistake like that um, is troubling. So, North Carolina won one and lost one on Saturday night after beating Duke. Okay, next thing I want to say because we're getting close to Pat Kennedy is I saw this in the paper today in the Daily. Uh, excuse me, the New York Post, not the Daily News. Um, Nineteen ninety-one is the last time St. John's Seton Hall and Rutgers, the three New York metropolitan area Power 5 basketball teams, again, St. John's, Seton Hall, and Rutgers, all made the big dance in the same year. It could happen this year. All three, St. John's, Seton Hall, and Rutgers, are in the mix right now to go to the NCAA tournament. Will they all make it? I'm not sure. Just not sure. But they could, and uh, that'd be the first time since 19. 19- ninety one. That's a long time. Like think back to nineteen ninety one. I was in law school in nineteen ninety one. Uh, that's how long ago it is. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, it's been I think really good uh season for the New York metropolitan area basketball uh with St. John's playing well and Seton Hall playing well. Rutgers, you know, a little off of the New York Metropolitan area, but close enough. Uh and there was a lot of excitement for Iona too at Rick Petino, but again they're five and three and they're having trouble getting on the court uh which is troubling. So Um, Lots of good things going on in college basketball. Uh, Gonzaga keeps winning. Baylor keeps winning. The one thing I see a lot of analysts talk about is who is going to be the third and fourth seeds in the NCAA tournament, right? Everybody's got uh, Baylor uh, and Gonzaga, the first two seeds. Everybody. Like, there's nobody that debates that. Everybody's got those two schools as the top seed. Who's going to be number three and who's going to be number four? Uh, I just read somebody say that it's going to be Michigan and Ohio State. I don't know if both schools will be from the Big Ten, but you certainly Ohio State's hot, playing really well. Roland from the Rochelle May call today. Talk about how hot Ohio State is. Uh, Michigan's really good, but they're in a shutdown, and a a big-time shutdown. The whole athletic program shut down, so it's unclear when uh, Michigan gets back on the court. Uh, I don't know who the... uh, You know, USC is playing well. They beat UCLA this weekend. That's a pretty good team. Virginia is still very good, uh, and they're probably the best team uh, in the ACC. I had thought that Florida State was catching them, but Florida State uh, recently lost um, uh, a game, which I was surprised by. So anyway, that's my thought. Who is going to be the third and fourth seed? We'll see. Okay, I see Chuck in the uh, uh, room uh, playing with the buttons meaning our call is here. Uh, Pat Kennedy, are you on the line? Yes, I am. How's everything, Pat?
1: Everything's going great, thank you.
0: Are you surviving the snow, or did you get snow? I don't even know where you are these days. Are you getting snow?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my wife works at Ursuline in New Rochelle. Oh, wow, that's and, great. Uh, yeah, we're right up here in uh, Westport, Connecticut, so we're only about 30 minutes north of New Rochelle, and my wife's family is still in New Rochelle as well, so... Uh, so we are well located in Westchester as well as Southern Connecticut.
0: Well, I know your brother-in-law. He actually text- sends texts to me for advice on my radio show, Joey Blaney.
1: Oh yeah, Joey's terrific. He's a he really knows the media business. He's a terrific entrepreneur, and as you know, what he does now is represents Joe Namath. You know, when these people all see Joe Namath around the country, they all you know people say to me about uh, who kind of resurrected his career. Of course, for a while there, he was just underground and uh, ever since he had that situation uh, with uh, Susie Colbert on the sideline. <laughs> excuse me. He just went ahead and went in a different direction as a person. And now you see him on TV all the time. And Joe Blaney uh, needs to take a lot of credit for that.
0: Absolutely. Well, he went to Iona prep with me as well. He's two years behind me in I to prep. So we're going to start with that, Pat Kennedy. So I went to Iona prep class of 1981. We had a very good basketball team my senior year. Uh, our star who was red hot in the Catholic High School Tournament, I think it earned him a scholarship uh, under you at Iona College. That was Tom Foley. Everybody, my buddies all say, ask him about Tom Foley. So I'm asking you, Tom Foley, what was it like coaching our friend? Well,
1: Tommy was an uh, incredibly hard worker. Uh, you knew whatever he did in life. I know he always wanted to be a fireman. But he went on to do that and be a very successful one. Uh, he was very driven, very honest. You know, when a guy's a hard worker, and he's driven, and he's honest, those are three pretty darn good qualities. I don't care what you do. Sure. Uh, you know, whether you try to become a U.S. center, run a deli, or you become a fireman. So Tommy had all of those qualities uh, that I knew was, were certainly going to do him well. And that that's really based on what he learned at Iona Prep. And then when he came to Iona College and, and kind of played for us. So uh, he, he was tough. He, I mean, he... And he played every day against some awfully good players absolutely so i'm not so I'm not so sure if Tommy had gone to another school or a school a little bit below us that he wouldn't have been a thirty two minute a guy you know star on a team sure. in fact, I really mean that he was uh, but yeah, he, had, he had one great moment we had a six overtime game at Fairfield University, one of the longest games in the history of college basketball uh Rory Grimes had played all six. Uh, overtime is supposed to regular game did not have one turnover in all that time. And uh, the game winner came from Tommy Foley when he drove down the left side and banked it off the glass, which he had a great bank shot for a lefty and that, and that won a game for us. So, so he had his moments and uh, got his degree and has had a wonderful life. And he's he's a good man.
0: Interesting, very interesting. So I know my friends are going to be very happy to hear that story about that bank shot that beat Fairfield. Uh, we all love Tom Foley. When, you know, at Iona Prep, you know, he was a tremendous athlete, but he was kind of humble about it. And everybody in the school liked Tom Foley because he was, A, he was a great athlete, but B, he was a nice guy. And, that you know, he's one of the most popular guys in our class.
1: Yeah, Tommy, yeah, Tommy was never over the top, he never acted like a big shot, he was a hard worker. Uh, He just did all the right things, and and I could see that. I mean, that's just the type of person he was. That's why he's had so many great friendships and people respect him. So, uh, yeah, that's exactly who Tommy Foley is.
0: All right, guys, who are listening from Iona Prep Class of 1981, we got it from the coach about our buddy Tom Foley. Next question, Coach. Um, I'm sure this is going through your mind, uh, uh, watching what's going on in college basketball right now. What's it like for these coaches to keep their teams together uh, during a shutdown. They're facing so many issues, psychological, getting enough practice time. What, what are some of the things uh, you think would be a struggle for you?
1: Yeah, I'll tell you the toughest thing, and I'm, Coach Petino would talk about the same thing, is you know, basketball is a game of flow. Uh, it's a game of motion. It's a game of being connected. You know, you cut back door and I throw you a bounce pass, you catch it, you lay it in. You come off a screen, I throw you the pass right in your hands or you're ready to shoot it. Uh, on the defensive end, we trap somebody, we steal the ball. I mean, there's so many aspects of basketball where, where everyone needs to be connected. Sometimes there's two guys, three guys, four guys, and then ultimately five guys. So it it, it is a game of feel and uh, and it is a game of flow. So if you're not playing games, so you, so you take that plus... Game preparation, what happens in a game, the coaches coaching the game. We're going to change defense. We're going to go to zone. We're going to go to man. If you don't have the consistency of all of that uh, that you can work on on a daily basis, you lose it. So this this idea of just, I think the Miami North Carolina game got canceled tonight. Yes, uh, I was looking forward to watching that, and it's like man, that's just got to be incredibly tough for Roy Williams. I mean, they they actually need to beat Miami. That's a very important win. Jimmy has done a great job down there, but he needs some wins. And then all of a sudden you turn around and you can't play. So the inconsistency of practice, I think what it does is that you almost got to keep your fingers crossed. You know, so let's say Fairfield's next game is St. Peter's. They just got to prepare for St. Peter's and hope that their kids can execute the game plan. That's the most important thing.
0: Coach, what about keeping the kids' heads right during a shutdown? What do you think some of the challenges you would have had there?
1: Very challenging. Um, we were really hands-on. If you remember when we were at Iona, uh, we were a uh, close-knit we close group, not just as players and coaches, but to the community of New Rochelle. The one thing that I was huge about, and I did it in Tallahassee with Florida State and, and Chicago with DePaul, I always thought it was very important that your basketball program should be connected to the community. You know, you do Special Olympics. You do things with churches. You do things on – community day. Uh, you stay connected to the community. I always thought that was extremely important. Um, and, and to do that, you, you know, you've got to be with your guys all the time. It's got to be one of those things where you are connected. And my son is now the assistant coach at Holy Cross. You know, I, I often tell him, Joseph, you know, stay in touch with your guys. If you can't get physically over there, to be with them because of Corona, you got to call them. you got to check in. What's going on? How are you guys doing? What's happening? So And, and Rick's got a great staff. Uh, as you know, at Iona, sure, uh, and 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 Rick is like that. But Rick got the Iona job. He he jumped on recruiting, like he was back at BU, and he was twenty eight.
0: Sure, <laughs> I, I mean, know. I heard stories about he, did, he was on the phone for yeah, three days straight.
1: Yeah, he just says he's got one speed. Yeah. And Rick can coach. He can coach. He can recruit, and he and he understands the whole package. So that that's what's extremely important. The fact that you know, you you got to keep your kids connected. And you gotta keep your coaching staff connected to your players. And you you can see that in the NFL and you can see it in the NBA. It's the same thing again. When coaches, and I'm sure Rick would tell you, lose trust and connection to your players, you're in tough shape. <laughs> you know, no, I
0: can see just, that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Just in tough shape. So that's what you gotta do. Even in college. It's we, extremely
0: important. We saw it yesterday. That that team likes to play for Bruce Arians. He's a great guy and the the players love him. Uh, you could see that that team loved their coach.
1: Yeah, and if you take a look at Bruce's background, college, you know where he's coached in the NFL, and 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 he's a smart guy. It's like Phil Jackson, you know, winning all the championships with Michael Jordan. He, I went to a number of practices that they had when I was at Chicago at DePaul. I, we would go and watch the Bulls practice. I mean, Phil Jackson would let Michael Jordan kind of semi-run practice. <laughs> I mean, wow. If Michael wanted to make this adjustment or that adjustment, or if Michael thought somebody wasn't playing hard and he wanted to get behind a little bit, uh, Phil would let him do it immediately. And I think what happened here with Tampa Bay is they finally gave Brady the reins with the offense, although you have an offensive coordinator sure. and all that, but sure. believe me, when, when Brady stepped in or said, I want this guy or that guy, or we need to do this, or we need to do that. So, you know, when you think about it, Tom Brady's like the associate head coach. For
0: the Tampa Bay Bucks. He is. He really and, and, is. He and, really is, coach. All right, coach, let's change. I'm sorry, and coach. If you're
1: smart, you'll do that.
0: No, I agree. You, you know, Brady's one of the most intelligent quarterbacks to ever walk on a football field. Okay, coach, I want to change uh, subjects here. ACC, a place where you used to coach for Florida State. When I look, I'm going to give you what I think and I want to get your comments, okay? When I look at the ACC today, I see right off the bat four teams that I think are in the NCAA tournament. And that would be Virginia, Florida State, Virginia Tech, and Louisville. I see one team I think is probably in, and that's UNC. And then I see about four teams they are going to have to play really well over the next couple of weeks to get in the NCAA tournament. That would be Georgia Tech, Clemson, Syracuse, and Pitt. I think Duke's probably out. I think NC State and Notre Dame are definitely out. I looked at Joe Lenardi today. He's got six ACC teams in in 2019, the last time we had the tournament, they had seven. So they're probably a 6-7 bid league. What are you thinking about the NCAAs and the ACC?
1: Well, I think the four that you mentioned uh, are clearly in. I think that Virginia and Florida State are really the cream of the crop. Uh, you know, Coach Bennett's just incredible. That guy is, in my opinion, you know, along with everybody else, I don't care if you say Bayheim or Krzyzewski or Williams or anybody, Tony Bennett is is a top three or four coach uh, in the country. I mean, no one had them being it at the top of this league right now, but he is. So they are for sure a real threat. And I think this is one of the best Leonard Hamilton teams, and Leonard's kind of grown into this as a coach. Uh, I think that, you know, Leonard's early on, the coaching was something that was questionable. Now Leonard's become a better coach. I think those two are probably in pretty good shape. I think the, the group you said in the middle, you know, like, like Pitt and, uh, Georgia Tech. uh, Yeah. Georgia Tech. They're really still on the fence. I mean, Georgia Tech had some horrible losses early on. Yes. And a lot of times when you get down to this, and I worked with the NCAA committees when I was coaching, uh, a a lot of it is, is kind of, you know, the eye test, you know, okay, let's look at Georgia Tech. I mean, how good are they really? Look at their individual scores. Look at how they're playing currently. What's up with their injuries, et cetera, et cetera. So, there's going to be a lot of scrutiny in the ACC. And, and as you know, what a strange year, right?
0: Right, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I mean, even watching the Duke-Carolina game the other night, friends of mine were talking about it. It was kind of strange because that game always meant so much. Now, it ended up being a great game, but it didn't mean much. Right. You know, whereas in years past, it's always meant a lot. So the ACC is down. Syracuse is not the Syracuse that was always a potential Final Four team. So you take Syracuse, North Carolina, and Duke, and they're not in your top five, that's all you need to know about the ACC.
0: Absolutely. Like a team like Clemson, they win a big game, then they lose a bad game. They go up and down. You know, it's a weird team. Syracuse has a losing record in the conference in the in the ACC. So those, I guess those are the bubble teams, Georgia Tech, Clemson, Syracuse at Pitt. Um, I think UNC's probably in. They're playing better and better. I watch... I watch all the UNC games. I'm a fan. Uh, they've definitely improved throughout the season. They keep getting better. The freshman guards are playing much better, which has really allowed them to turn the corner. Uh, so I think absolutely, yeah,
1: that's a great point.
0: Yeah, I think NC UNC probably gets in um, Duke. I don't know. I don't think Duke's going to be a tournament team right now.
1: No, and I don't. I'll tell you what. I don't think Mike Krzyzewski would argue with you. Right, you know, Mike always stands up for his team and his kids and his program. Uh, as he well should. He's one of the greatest coaches of all time, and he's just created an incredible. Uh, aside from just that, uh, people don't understand there's, there's the coaching, then there's developing a program, right? Sure. I mean, what Mike's done at Duke, people don't remember, before Mike got there and Bill Forster was a the coach, they had a of Ernie Banks, or excuse me, Eugene Banks out of Philly, and they were finally starting to get better. But you never thought of Duke as a top five team. No, definitely not. And, and since he's been there, it's like automatic. You, you kind of put them in that uh, category. So I think they're out, and I think Mike knows that, uh, which will make him more motivated for next year. I,
0: uh, I agree. I to have
1: Duke on my schedule for next year, but uh, he's such a competitor. But anyway, yeah, Carolina, I, that's what I'm saying. I feel bad for Roy Williams. He needed to win this game tonight. This is an important game for him.
0: Absolutely, And it
1: was, take, and it was taken away from him, so that's a shame.
0: Kind of crazy because the two kids being dopey. Um, Coach, one quick question. I think this is it. We're going to have We're going to the commercial break. But um, when I watched the game Saturday, uh, Duke-UNC, I kind of said to myself, UNC got a four-point win. They may not get that win if the Cameron Crazies are there. Do you agree with that? Oh,
1: absolutely. That's that's a great observation. The Cameron Crazies are there. I've coached at Duke a number of times. They're worth at least eight points.
0: Okay, there you have it. I agree with you. All right, Coach, that's the last word. We'll give one more call with you in about a month, Coach, to talk about the NCAA tournament. How about that? Great to be with
1: you guys. Enjoy it.
0: Thank you so much, Coach Pat Kennedy. We'll go to the commercial break, folks, and then we'll be right back to finish up our second half of the show. Westchester's favorite morning show. I love the morning show. Good morning, Westchester, with Dennis and Tommy. Weekday mornings from
2: 6 to 9, right here on
0: 1460 WVOX. 1460 WVOX. They're playing basketball. Okay, folks, we are back on College Hoops Chat on WVOX, 1460 AM. That was a great interview with Coach Pat Kennedy. He's got such great insights, uh, coaching all over the place, from Iona, the Florida State, to DePaul, out to Montana. It was a lot of, and states. so that was great stuff. He'll be back um, uh, next month on another show, so that's uh, really enjoyed that. All right. I believe we have a, our, our, a caller on hold who's a, a second guest tonight by the name of Sam Basil. Sam, are you there? Yep, I'm here, Jim. All right, so, number one, thank you so much for being part of the show. Uh, we're looking forward to talking about the Fordham Rams. I wanted to talk about them all season, but they started late. They finally got going. They weren't winning. I never got my act together with Fordham, but we wanted to give some love to Fordham because we're right here in Near A lot of people in Westchester. Uh, have a relationship with Fordham University, so I'm so glad you called.
3: Yeah, glad to be here. I'm glad to be talking Fordham hoops, so, and yeah, they're definitely on the up and up. So, all
0: right. So, tell us about uh, what what you do for Fordham. What is what's your relationship? I know I saw you one of the AC, on the Atlantic Ten websites. You write some columns. Uh, what else? What else do you do, Sam? Sure. So, um, my relationship with
3: Fordham is actually I am a recent graduate of the university. I graduated in uh, 2020. I also am a WFUV alumni, so I, I covered them during my years at the school. And right now, I am a blogger for a 10 talk, uh, covering specifically Fordham basketball. And then for another blog, House Enterprise, I'm covering uh, the entire Atlantic 10 conference, as well as uh, college hoops in the five boroughs.
0: Oh, well, that's great. So let me tell you one thing, Sam. Uh, now that we're friends, um, <laughs> I went to St. Bonaventure. So, I go to the St. Bonaventure Fordham game next year. So, next year we'll say hello at the St. Bonaventure Fordham game.
3: Yeah, I look forward to it.
0: All right, sounds good. All right, so you probably are one of the best people to be on the show today. Talk about Fordham. Now, so we've had, believe it or not, we've had callers call the show to talk about the Fordham Rams. Now, you mentioned that you felt the program was on the way up. Um, Let me tell you what the callers say, and then I'll let you comment on that, okay? (laughs) They say that. Um, Fordham probably doesn't belong in the A-10. That they haven't, despite Derek Wittenberg and Tom Picora, didn't matter who the coach was, they haven't been able to put together a competitive team in the Atlantic 10. I read an article, I think you wrote, or you interviewed two uh, Fordham people heavily involved in the school, were saying the school's fully committed to the Atlantic, t- Atlantic 10. There's no way they'd ever leave it. But I get a lot of callers that think they belong in the MAC. They belong in the colonial. They belong back in the patriot. What do you hear about all that?
3: So yeah, I you know being being involved in kind of the the Atlantic Ten discourse and the Fordham discourse, you know, around the media, there is there has been a lot of outcry for Fordham to leave the A Ten, and I really I really think it's it's kind of a misguided opinion for a couple reasons. If your main focus by bringing up that point is that you want more tournament bids for the Atlantic 10, or you just want the conference overall to look better, or if you're a Fordham fan who just cares about the end-of-season win total, then fine. Put Fordham in the in the MAC. put Fordham in the Patriot League, and they'll win more games. But I really don't think that Fordham is in a position where it's impossible for them to be competitive in the Atlantic 10. And I just think that, the way the program has gone the last couple of years, they just have not caught up to speed in terms of their development to be playing at A-10 level, but I think it's, an, I think it's a, entirely possible for them to do so. And I think, you know, in the current era under Mike DiPoli as interim head coach in these last three games, I think we've seen glimpses of that.
0: Well, you got to win on Saturday. I saw the Fordham Rams got to win against LaSalle, right?
3: Yes, we did get we did get a big win against LaSalle, and I think that's really emblematic of what Coach DiPali has been bringing to this program. Fordham has had, you know, under Jeff Neubauer, I think, especially at Fordham and during his time at Eastern Kentucky, he really focused on elite defense, and we've seen that for the past couple years. Last season, Fordham was actually in the top ten in the country in terms of defense. They were usually only averaging around – 54, 55 uh, allowed points per game. And their main problem right now is, you know, as tenacious and as pressing as they are in defense, they just don't have the shooters to back that up. So even if they're getting a win, it'll be a 55-54 win. But I think now you're seeing a lot of the development of these shooters uh, under Depali, especially against LaSalle, where they went 47% from the field, and shot a season high and scored a season high seventy six points.
0: So, I get your point, and I've seen I, you know I see three or four Fordham games every year because it's so close. I'll drive over to see a college basketball game. They clearly were a pretty good defensive team the last few years. I didn't realize they was ranked quite as high as you just said. That's pretty impressive.
3: Yep, ninth but he, in the country, I believe.
0: Yeah, well, he's a defensive coach, is no question. Um, he wasn't a good recruiter. That's 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 for sure. Um, and look, it only takes one coach to turn around Fordham. Look, you had some pretty good ones, like a Pecora or a Wittenberg, where I thought maybe they could turn it around. So, you know, one thing you hear about Fordham is the facilities are old. They can't really build out. You know, they're still locked in uh, campus-wise in the Bronx. And that's kind of true. But then again, St. John's is playing well. Uh, and they're pretty much locked like Fordham. They, don't, they can't build out. I don't think Seton Hall has so much better facilities. I mean, they're better than Fordham. But, um So, you know, one coach could turn Fordham around um, and all of a sudden they're, you know, all of a sudden they're 500 team in the A-10 and then maybe they get a little better and they're more competitive, uh, uh, maybe even a chance to uh, get in the NCAA tournament someday. But I do think, having said all that and agreeing with you, I think that the history of Fordham in the A-10 has showed me that that's a really big lift for a coach to come in and do that.
3: No, you're, you're totally right. It, it, it is a big lift given their history and their past season performances, but I really think it's, I think it's a lift that can be made with the right coach. One thing that you brought up with Jeff Neubauer about his, you know, kind of lack of ability to bring in top recruits, I, I think when you look at the Atlantic 10 and look at some of the recruits that have been going to some other schools in the conference, they're, they're definitely guys that Fordham could have grabbed but just did not have the ability to because Jeff Neubauer wasn't as effective of a recruiter. Um, if I had a dollar for every single Bronx-based recruit that went to another Atlantic 10 school instead of Fordham, I'd probably have paid off my student loans from Fordham right now. Absolutely. You, know, you look at guys like Kobe Brea on Dayton, even going back to a couple years, uh, Scoochie Smith, who also played at Dayton, Malachi Smith who is now recruiting to Dayton, who went to high school about a 10-minute drive away from Fordham, they're coming into Rose Hill Gym on, as, as the away team, and they're selling out the arena. Right. So I think this new coach, whoever this new coach will be, along with maintaining that, that strong defensive mindset that Jeff Neubauer put in place, if you can bring in the right recruits and know how to recruit locally, I think Fordham is going to be a competitive team in the Atlantic 10.
0: Listen, there's no question, Sam, that a team like Fordham has to get players that play for a particular system, um, and then it's all about player development. Once you get them there, like look what Coach Anderson has done in a year and a half at St. John's. He has a system. He's just been successful at three or four colleges. He's you know taken three teams to the NCAA tournament. Now he's at St. John's. He has a system. He recruited guys, a lot of them locally, for the system, and here they are beating Villanova last week. That's not a bad model for a Fordham.
3: No, I I, I totally agree. I think Fordham should maybe not entirely copy the St. John's model, but follow them very closely. If I I could bring up another school uh, that that I think Fordham should follow in the footsteps of, it's Bryant University, specifically with the methods of Jared Grasso. Um, In terms of their head coaching, in Fordham's head coaching pursuit, Jared Grasso has been one of my top, Candidates, But from my sources at Bryant, it looks like that's not going to be the case because Jared Grass has put the time and effort in to turning this Bryant University team, which has kind of just been a, you know, a mediocre team in the NEC, to uh, not only a conference favorite, but uh, a favorite to, you know, be the NEC's uh, representative in the NCAA tournament this year. I agree. And so. that's been done through local recruiting and just, you know, developing and putting a solid system in place at the school.
0: I'm a huge fan of Jared Grasso. He did a tremendous job at Iona College. Uh, from Tim Kloos down to everyone that knows the program, and I'm very uh, uh, close following Iona College. With the, the Everybody loved Jared. Uh, he, he had a shot at getting the Iona job if Rick Pitino didn't get it. Uh, I, I, I wondered about him for Fordham. Another name I hear uh, is Tim O'Toole. Have you heard that name?
3: Yes, I've, I've heard. I've heard Tim. You know kind of been floating around uh i think I think he'd be great um, but i'm just I'm just not sure if I'm just not sure if he's in kind of my, in my wheelhouse in terms of uh Fordham coaches
0: all right so mike depolly uh who's the interim coach, does he have a chance or is he probably doesn't have a chance?
3: you know it's a tough question um before before Jeff Neubauer left the program uh about a couple weeks ago, I was kind of thinking about who out of the current Fordham assistant coaching would be best to you know kind of step in and Depalley was my top choice out of Fordham's assistants. And I think these remaining games for him are going to be sort of a uh you know a practical resume as these as these you know talks pursue for Fordham's head coach, but I I can't really see him taking the helm of the team. I think right now Fordham as a program and as a school wants to rebuild their basketball program. They want to make it, you know, a well-known name, you know, both for the alumni and for Kern fans and, you know, being competitive with other schools like St. John's. So I think if you're Mike DePaule, your main goal right now is to lay that foundation for a new head coach. And then once that new head coach comes in, step back and become an assistant and say, look, if you're coming here, here's what I can do. Here's what I can help you to do.
0: All right. So, Sam, we're coming up to the breaks. I got last question. I'm going to make a comment, ask you a question, and then you'll take us to, to the commercial break. Uh, and then you're going to be my Fordham guy going forward on the show. Sounds great. If I was going to hire a coach for Fordham, I'll tell you who I would hire. Shaheen Holloway from St. Peter's. Uh, so we had to, So I want you to, A, address that, and let, give me two other names that we should watch as next Fordham coach.
3: Okay. So Shah- Shaheen Holloway... I think he's been great at St. Peter's. Um, he, he led them to, you know, an 18 and 9 record last year, and I think you know he's got everything everything you want in a head coach. You know, he's specifically for Fordham's needs. He's a strong recruiter. He develops guards, which is exactly what Fordham needs, and. I think I think they'll be exactly what they need to heighten you know kind of heighten their ceiling in terms of development
0: all right we got the music going so give us two names to watch and then we'll say goodbye all right two names to watch Luke Murray assistant
3: coach at at uh, Louisville University son of Bill Murray local guy New York guy he's, he's a great recruiter and can develop uh, shooters and this is a reach but you know if Fordham wants to spend the big bucks maybe go out and get Steve Lab and former former uh, head coach of St. John's.
0: Excellent. All right, Sam, great job. We appreciate you being on the show. We're going to have you back again. Keep doing a great job covering Fordham basketball. Thank you so much. Have Thank you. Night. Thanks. All right, folks, we're going to the commercial break, and we're coming back to the final segment of Kyle Troop's Chat.
3: With words with radio's favorite morning team, Dennis and
2: Tani, and Good Morning Westchester, weekday mornings from 6 to 9, right here on 1460 WVOX.
0: 1460 W V O X. They're playing Basketball. We love that basketball. Okay, folks, we're they back on the, the show. Play this play is, is Jim Massano of College Hoops Chat on WVX 1460 AM. And I believe we have our number one caller on the line. Uh, Kenny from Rye. Kenny, are you there? James, how are we doing? How we doing? How's everything?
2: Good, good, thank you, good. So I, after
0: the snowstorm. Um, yeah, thank God. Another more snow coming, apparently. So can I apologize that my St. John Red Storm, who I root for, beat your Providence Friars on Saturday?
2: Uh, beat them handily. I think, uh, you know, St. John's is on the uptick, and uh, unfortunately my squad is on the downtick. And it seems to be uh, on the fact that St. John's guards have risen to the occasion and have gotten better and better every game, and PC has struggled with it. Injured point guard who was helping out in the beginning of the year, and then, and then the backup is just not ready for prime time as he's a freshman. So they've really, really struggled since then, and,
1: and, just,
2: and it shows. And I think you know, for as you mentioned before, with regards to looking at uh, people for the um, March Madness, I mean, how you're playing at the end of the year matters, and who you beat matters. And I think that Villanova win was a huge win for them, and we'll have to see how, how it is going forward, But they're definitely in the mix.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, St. John's in their final six games, although I read an article that said they had seven games. I looked at their schedule, so six. Maybe there's another one I missed. But, you know, they could definitely beat Butler. They could definitely beat DePaul. Uh, And Providence, uh, you, you guys are tough, but that's a game they could win. Xavier's a little better. Nova, Villanova, you know, it's going to be tough, tough to beat them twice in a season, and then they finish with Seton Hall. That's Seton Hall's a, another borderline tournament team, and they're and they're a good team. So you could certainly see St. John's getting three more wins, maybe four.
2: That seems to be the projection on some of these uh, charts that they have out there. And then, you know, if they get, if say they get that fourth win, that's going to make a huge difference. And you know, the season is very interesting because as we come down to the end of the year, obviously the crowds pick up in a normal year. Now you're playing away games, and there is no crowd. So that that emotion that the home team might might uh, take from that is not going to be there. So it's going to be a very unusual situation, and I think it will be one for certain teams that will be helpful if you're playing, you know, the majority of what you have left on the road.
0: No question. So all right, so we're going to talk a little since you know as much about the Big East as anyone. Not only did you follow the Big East in high school, then you went to a Big East school. You've been following the Big East uh, for decades ever since. So here's what I got. Let's get your Kenny from Rye commentary. I've got two teams in the Big East, definitely in the NCAA tournament. That's Nova and Creighton. I I think I probably add Xavier there as a third team in the Big East. Uh, Joe Lenardi has five Big East teams in. I looked at 2019, the last tournament, four teams got in. So there's four to five teams for the Big East. Um, So I think you got Nova, Creighton, and Xavier. And then the three teams I'm not sure about right now are St. John's, Seton Hall, UConn. That's going to be decided, as you said, how they close out the season over the next three weeks. What do you think?
2: I agree, and it, and it goes to your point as well. Like, look what happened with UNC today. Does someone get shut down for two weeks? So that's not going to help you at the end of the year. So they're going to have to be very careful of that. I agree with you. Also, Villanova, Creighton are probably guaranteed as the one and two. Uh, Xavier's played very well. I, I think Seton Hall is better than people think. I, I've seen them all year because they're obviously on locally and they're obviously on, uh, on the Big East channel. I think they're better than people think and I think they're, they're going to play well down the line because of, cause of the age of some of their star players. Uh, UConn, I don't know when they get their star player back. If he comes back in, in, in a reasonable amount of time, uh, Book Night, then you you got a very, very different team. I mean, he was clearly on the path for player of the year and then now, you know, UConn is kind of, in, you know, in the middle again, fighting with it. And I think Johnny's is, on, is the team on the, on the come up uh, you know, in, the, in the second half. So that brings you what is now 11 teams It gives you six. And if they say they're going to take five or four, then we'll have to see how it goes and they'll fight for those last few spots.
0: I agree. You know, I, I tell you, when I look at Seton Hall play, the eye test, they're an NCAA tournament team. Then I look at the numbers, they're 11-8. and eight. Not such a great record, you know?
2: Yeah, but they played a lot of games in the beginning of the year very quickly and against teams they thought would help their schedule. So I don't know how that's going to play out. But I looked, I looked at their, you know, their quote-unquote net rating, and they're, they're at 45. So I think that's pretty pretty consistent. So they've been in that kind of low high 30s to the mid 40s for a while. And I think normally in a normal year that will get them in. And I, I still think they are better than people expect.
0: I agree. And you, so you know, you know, I follow Ken Palm. That's the. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Ken Palm website. They usually say if you make the top 45 in Ken Palm, you make the NCAA tournament. He has Seton Hall at 32.
2: Yeah, so, yeah exactly. And I think that has, their ratings both offensively and defensively on that adjusted chart that he prints are very, very strong. And again, I like the fact that they've got some senior leadership in the shortened season that's going to make a difference. And uh, you see where... Uh, when they when they start to play well as a team, from a perspective of really start to you know shoot the ball very well, obviously in this three point world, uh, they're very very difficult to beat. Well,
0: let's take a look as we're chatting. Where Ken Palm? Ken Palm. If you don't know, folks, that he has a website that has an algorithm, uh, computer based system where it ranks every single team in America every day. It's kind of unbelievable. Uh, very reliable stats. Um, I think even people, uh, you know, coaches will tell you they look at Ken Palm. Kenny, you know who else looks at Ken Palm? Bookies. I've read that Bookies, that's their number one source to set point spreads. How about that? Um,
2: well, any, yeah, I mean, any algorithm is based off of stats, so there's no doubt the bookies are going to be looking for that. And I think just quickly on your, on your note that you sent over here today, you look at two teams, uh, you know, and they both have uh, UConn and Villanova winning five more games. So that obviously is the detriment to the kind of middle teams, the St. John's and UConn, excuse me, the St. John's and alls of, all of the world. So we'll have to see.
0: Right, so here's the ranking in Ken Palm. He's got Villanova number 10, Creighton number 20. He's got Seton Hall number 32. He's got Connecticut number 33. He's got Xavier 49 and St. John's 68, followed by Marquette 77, Providence 78. So, you know, it's funny. We didn't talk about your squad of Marquette. They're both 9 and 10. If either team got hot and, you know, won five out of the last six, they do put themselves in the conversation.
2: Yeah, and that's typically what happened to Providence last year. I mean, the the point guard clicked, and they ended up winning, I think, basically almost seven out of the last eight or eight out of the last nine. And not only that, it's who you beat. And they beat, you know, teams with much, much higher ratings in that quote-unquote net system. And it's kind of interesting, in that net system that I looked at today versus the the Ken Ken Pomp rankings, there are some huge variations from a perspective of where he's got them. Um, and then UConn being one in particular, they got them at 53. And I think you mentioned he got them at 33. So, it, you know, you see some big differences. So, obviously, the NCAA is going to take all those factors in, into play because it's not going to be just off of one chart, obviously. So we'll have to see how that plays right. out. Right. Yeah. So the net
0: is supposed to be a rival to Ken Palm. Uh, I understand that people on the committee do look at both. Uh, Georgetown, DePaul, and Butler, they're done. Uh, they're not even going to be able to make a run. So we got Marquette and Providence maybe make a run. We've got St. John's, Connecticut, and Seton Hall. They uh, legitimately could be in the league tournament, all three. But what do they have to do, Ken, over the next week? Win. They've got to win a bunch of games, those three schools. Uh, yeah, man.
2: You have to win against also the teams that matter. You've got to beat you know, the teams that are definitely seated higher above you or ranked higher than you are.
0: I agree. All right, so it looks like uh, it's a pretty fair chance of, uh, we think, six teams right now, Marquette and Providence, would have to get hot. But without that, Six teams in the Big East have a shot at the NCAA tournament. Uh, and it looks like, according to Joe Lenardi, five of them will get in. Uh, so figure one of these teams won't play as well down the stretch, and uh, that'll be a team that gets knocked out. You know, I'm a St. John's fan, Ken, and I watch every game, and I'm actually kind of in shock of the six-game win streak because they weren't playing well early in the season. But, you know, when I, when I kind of sit back and thought about it this weekend, you know, his defense, the Mike Anderson defense, uh, uh, that got handed down uh, from the uh, Arkansas days to 40-minute of hell. That defense needs a lot of practice, and he brought two Juco guys in from junior college, two freshmen in the rotation. That's four players out of, say, a 10-person rotation that never played Mike Anderson's Nolan Richardson, 40 minutes of hell, full-court pressure defense. Um, so maybe the fact is they finally are had enough practice in game time to play that defense And it's really working for St. John's.
2: What I've seen is is exactly as you mentioned. We've spoken about it a lot throughout the year. It's practice. And how much did you get in the beginning of the year when you got shut down? And then also in the middle of the year, have you taken advantage of when other teams were shut down? Did you take advantage of it? Mike is an excellent coach, as we all know. And I think he's taken advantage of some of the downtime that he's had for practice. And his two guards have stepped up. It's a question of who, who they are. And when they step up. And if your guard play steps up in the second half of the year, you're gonna you're gonna play well and you're gonna do well in, in the rankings. I think that's clearly what St. John's has done.
0: Yeah, they really click, you know, Rashim Dunn and Pasha Alexander together is a terrific backcourt. Uh, uh is a terrific forward, uh rebounds, plays defense, he's leading the big east. In scoring, he's probably going to be first team all Big East. He's a really great player. And, know it's funny, Ken, he might be the second best player in his family. His brother's on pit and might be a little bit better. How about that?
2: Yeah, I know a nice lineage. And, and as you say, you know, from a perspective of where they were in the beginning of the year, where they looked very, very confused, I watched a couple of their games, and where they are now is a real credit not only to the coach, but also the players and buying into. Because I have a feeling if you don't play defense on Mike Anderson's team, you don't play.
0: I think that's for sure, and I think the JUCO guys had to learn that they had to get their playing time by playing defense and practice. And I think both of them, who have really been a big part of this rally, um, are Moore um, and Cole. That those are the two that came. They were big time JUCO players. Dave now kind of fully became part of the team, both defense and offensively. All right, so St. John's, they just got to keep winning, and they're in. I don't. Uh, we'll see what happens. UConn really needs their star back. Uh, we both think Seton Hall is probably going to be there. All right, Ken, great job as always. I appreciate the call.
2: I appreciate it, James. Good talking to you. I'll
0: talk to you next week, hopefully. Thank you. Thank you, Kenny from Rye. All right, I'm yeah. Jim Massano. Bye-bye. College Troops Chat, great Bye-bye. show. Thank you, everybody, for being part of the show today. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back next Monday night, 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock. College Troops Chat on WVOX. Bye-bye. To the-
2: 1460 WVOX, WVIP HD2.